to Attenuation, a weekly podcast where two friends come together to drink beer, discuss beer styles and trends, and just generally ruminate on the meaning of life, aka beer. If you enjoy your time with us, we invite you to become a weekly listener and subscribe to the podcast. Without further ado, here is this week's episode. Hello, and welcome back to Attenuation, a beer podcast. My name is Jason, and I'm joined by one of my best friends since eighth grade, Stephen. Hello. (laughs) How's it going, Stephen? So this episode, I think we are going to do gateway beers. So Stephen and I have both selected three beers that we feel are good gateway beers into this whole crazy craft beer hobby. So how are you doing today, Stephen? I am good, ready to drink some beers and talk beer. (laughs) Always a good time. So (laughs) what are you drinking today? Okay, so I have, it's called Iceberg Zombie Apocalypse. (laughs) Nice. I wish this was a video podcast because um, the can art is freaking amazing. Um, It's from Kings County Brewers Collective, which is in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, I I don't think I've had a bad beer from them. Obvious, uh, honestly, it's it, it's so good. Um, their IPAs are awesome. This is a sour, um, and it's a sour ale with strawberry, blackberry, tart cherry, and lemon, brewed with vanilla and milk sugar. Six percent alcohol. Uh, brewed on or canned on one eight twenty one, so a couple months. Um, and honestly, I have to start out by saying, first off, I don't always like strawberry in my beer, so we'll okay. see how that comes out. And I also, um, I'm not sure I I'm on board with this vanilla and milk sugar thing in my sours, like the the smoothie sour. I think is what they're calling that style. So, Very popular right now. With oh the, my gosh. And marshmallow too. Yeah, my marshmallow. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But um, I guess they're trying to. I don't know. They're trying to change the mouthfeel on the sour. Um, and oh, the one of my objections so far to the style is sometimes it's just not sour enough. Uh, you know? I see. So it's like it's like um it's fruity and kind of thick but like come on when i'm drinking a sour i want it a little bit sour so i don't know uh maybe they're just trying to get people into the style um but they're very popular on instagram i should say (laughs) (laughs) nice (laughs) you see a lot of people drinking them on instagram so anyway this is uh this is just a trial to see if i can find one of these like i said i've never had a bad beer from um kcbc so maybe they'll change my mind all right, good. I'm excited. And I will say, I don't have as a strong as opinion on these. Uh, I haven't yeah. drank as many as you, but I actually sort of like when they do the lactose thing. I don't know why. I guess maybe it is the mouthfeel, but I, I can see what you're saying. I, I'm sure it does affect the overall flavor. And I do like a very mouth-puckering sour. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. I mean, it's a beautiful burgundy pour oh yeah i can actually see it right now and i will yeah, say yeah, it's very a real like real thick foamy head almost uh like meringue head on it it's very descriptive i mean it smells good i smell strawberry a little bit of the lemon maybe coming through um and the reason I, I was actually excited about this is because I do love cherry in my beer. So I don't like strawberry in my beer, but I like cherry. So hopefully the cherry comes out more than the strawberry. So, <laughs> All right, here's yeah. hoping. <laughs> yeah, here goes. <laughs> I'll move my mic out of the way. Okay, okay. I like actually it's, it's sour. It's sour enough. And um, the strawberry isn't is kind of the back seat uh, to the lemon and the cherry. So I liked it. I mean, it tastes like juice. <laughs> <laughs> like, like 
I can see why the style is popular because if you were trying, if you were getting into craft beer and someone like if this has been the first craft beer I tasted, I'd have been like, oh yeah, oh yeah, makes sense. <laughs> yeah, because this is just it's literally juice, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's alcoholic juice, so can't go wrong there. No, so if you like sweet, um, no nonsense, just like sour juice. This is good. All this right. Is that's awesome. This is for you. Yeah. All right. So I have, maybe mine will be a little bit less, um, you know, sweet. I, cause I'm trying black project spontaneous and wild ales. This is their Nimrod. So they're based out of Denver, Colorado. And this is Nimrod is a sour ale with plum and sweet cherry. So much like you, Stephen, cherry is like my number one profile like, give me a cherry sour, give me a, a, a cherry, anything in beer, like a stout, you know, that's finished on cherries. I like cherry and everything. So we're going to try this one. I'm hoping, now it's spontaneously, uh, so in a spontaneous ale, basically means they've left it open to the environment. And that's kind of where it's going to get its funk and sourness from. Yeah, it's going to get funky for sure. And I do like that. So, yeah, wild yeast, wild bacteria. Yeah, so I think you have a little bit less control when you use that method. But I think so you, it's the old school, right? That's the the original way beer was made, right? <laughs> exactly, but you can get some very interesting results. Yeah. And actually, so I'm pouring this. This has a tremendous head on it, so I'm going to let it settle. A very beautiful, like uh, amber color, I would say. So I'm going to let this settle a little bit, but I'm going to talk about. Uh, when we went to Russian River's new facility, they actually have a room that they've dedicated to that spontaneous fermentation. And it, it was so cool. It's basically a chapel. It's all wooden. And the beer gets poured into this long pan. Lots of surface area on it. It's yeah, it's called a... Um... Oh, do you know the technical name? a coal ship i think I, I i don't know how to actually pronounce it it's like k-o-e-l-s-c-h-i-p or something coal, coal ship i think is was nice uh, dude Darth I'm, Vader. I'm, i completely butchered that but <laughs> yeah but see see the the mastery is shown through i don't know what it's called it looks cool though and then they open all the windows and they just let the magic happen right <laughs> so awesome yeah it's it was one of the coolest rooms i've ever been in my entire life all right, so this is settled down. I'm going to give some notes here. So, yeah, so right away I can tell, like, I think I can tell, but the, the, that spontaneous sour, it just has, it has that wild character. And I'm definitely getting the cherry and the plum right on the nose. So I'm going to taste this. Yeah, this is really good. Ooh, I really like this one. So you do get the cherry, you do get the plum, and then you just get that tart bitterness. It has a long finish, too. Okay, yeah, this is really good. It's not quite, it's not really just sweet juice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a, I will say they're probably more advanced sours. I would say, yeah, probably. But yeah, I've been really happy I haven't had that many spontaneous Um beers but all the ones i have have been have been very interesting um so i'm actually happy i got two of these too i'm glad that i like the first one so okay awesome so that's what we're drinking this week and then i think before we get into the main topic steven had found an interesting tidbit of beer news so i want to hear about this yeah so this may be kind of old news for some the people that are really in the know um but a little backstory on this so ballast point which is in based in san diego um it's it's beer you would see in your in your lo most local grocery stores uh you know sculpin ipa is kind of their flagship uh it's a couple different variations of sculpin um but anyway so it's super well distributed beer they were doing super successful. Uh, I mean, I've been to a tap room in San Diego, and it's awesome. Their food is awesome. It was a great experience. Well, I think it was in 2015, so just about six years ago, they sold to Constellation, which is, um, I mean, 
it's a mate it's a big brand uh, a big umbrella brand they have a lot of the mexican lagers i think corona and dos equis uh they have some hard alcohols um some vodkas i think anyway they're just this major brand and ballast point decided to sell to them uh they were offered a one billion dollars <laughs> by constellation a billion dollars one billion dollars so if you can imagine being a you know, a brewery owner and, uh, you know, someone offers you a billion dollars for your baby, you know, I, I don't know. I, we, we've argued over this, me and you multiple times or uh, not argued, but I discussed this at length, uh, whether we would do that or not, <laughs> you know, whether we would take that deal. I say you don't do it, but <laughs> I've admitted that I don't think I could say no to a billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, well, so, you know, it's hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Like, like what ended up happening is that they really streamlined the the brew side. So they tossed out tons and tons of beers that were barrel aging. They just they scrapped all that like extra sort of um, you know the superfluous stuff that the the brewers probably love. Right. Like that's what they they love to do. Experiment, try new things, age them in different kinds of barrels, that kind of stuff. So that's like their hobby side. And that got scrapped for, no, we only make these few beers. We want to distribute these few beers, that kind of stuff. And then they, um, you know, I know a lot of the employees were disappointed. A lot of benefits got cut. Um, a lot of the side perks, the free beer that they would get, um, uh, were, that stuff was scrapped. So it just they just scrapped a lot of the side benefits to being an employee there. And, um, you know, it, anyone who has worked at, um, especially in food service, sometimes you're just like, there's just fun little side perks. Um, and when those things start to get cut by corporate, it just sucks. <laughs> um, so anyway, there's just all these downsides. And I think it ended up, hurting ballast point in the long run because the craft beer community is so um they're just hell-bent on keeping these brew pubs independent you know they don't want these big distribution i mean like you know we hate coors light right <laughs> we, hate, we like to hate on budweiser um and it's just it's just that kind of thing it's like oh the beer's gonna suck it's gonna start to suck and maybe it didn't but uh, that's just the reputation that it gets. There is that perception for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember like they came out with a sour, it's called like sour wench or something. Yep. I had it. I was, it was <laughs> disgusting. Oh, it was horrible. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that was pre constellation or right. not, but, but it was bad. Um, so anyway, they lost their um, their like independent brewer certification, which um, you know, there's a few things like like at the Great American Beer Festival, uh, you lose the ability to be a sponsor um, or have like end caps displays there, and all there's just like little things that you lose. Um, right. But really, for the, for the most part, I think you just lost. It just they just you know people were just kind of this this sigh of like oh there they go you know sure they, they were they were good and and they they sold out uh you know it's like the punk bands <laughs> the yes. old punk bands that would sell out <laughs> uh, i mean yeah it's not it's not like this is unique to the beer industry this happens all over the place yeah so um anyway they didn't end up being um as profitable for constellation as constellation thought they would be uh so constellation dropped them and they got picked up by this kings and convicts brewing which is out of chicago i think and they <laughs> what's really funny is you cannot find details on how much they bought them for uh i've searched i bet you it wasn't a billion dollars <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah this is this is this is the exact quote from the ceo of kings and convicts he said it was less than a billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> yeah, he said uh, he did not have that sort of cash lying around and that um, it was a surprisingly low price. And that's all you can find. That's the only information you can find. So I think that would be public knowledge, but I guess not. Yeah, maybe not. But it sounds like they definitely lost money on that move. Yeah. But they took over. Um, but yeah, they got everything in the deal. They got all the, the brew pubs. And they're actually, I think, um, the latest news is that they're opening, uh, they're moving to Northern California. Oh, very cool. So, so they're opening a San Francisco brew pub, I think. Okay, that's super cool. Yeah. So uh, I've been to the one of them in San Diego and I've been to the downtown Disney one. Have you been to the downtown Disney brew pub? Uh, I have not. I've seen it. But I didn't actually go in. Yeah. Well, one of the fun things is when you go to the brew pub, and they always had cool experimental stuff and sours and stuff that you, you couldn't find in the store. Um, so hopefully that stuff continues. And uh, the CEO of Kings and Convicts um, has said that, you know, they're they're a roguish sort of brewery. They try, like to try new things. So maybe Ballast Point will make a huge... I like that. Yeah, the return of Ballast Point. And that's exciting to me, like as a craft brew drinker. Like I want people to do the weird and wild and wonderful stuff. I don't like I understand like if you're a constellation and you come in and buy it and you probably want to sell Sculpin or like whatever their most popular oh yeah. yeah. Beer is you want to mismanufacture that. And that's a fine beer, but like I'm more interested in the weird out there stuff. And I think you're gonna get the weird out there stuff from more independent. They're gonna be more willing to take risks. Yeah. So Definitely. So I look forward to maybe what might be on the horizon from them. Because I, I did really like um, Ballast Point for a long time. Like Victory at Sea, I think, is one of, oh, my, fa- yeah. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite beers of yeah. all time. Yeah. I liked the um, I liked the Grapefruit Sculpin. Yeah. I, didn't, I, I don't like the, uh, the basic Sculpin, but, but I always like the Grapefruit iteration. So. All right. Very cool. So we will see what happens with that. Yeah. All right. Are you ready to get into the main topic? Let's do it. So gateway beers. This is just, me and Steven kind of brainstormed this topic. We each picked three. We had a couple criteria. We wanted something that you could get pretty easily, like hopefully at your grocery store. Um, I think most of these are nationally distributed. And these are just kind of like beers that if you're getting interested in craft beer, but um, you don't really know where to start, there's some good entry beers to some six different styles that personally for me actually um, kind of got me more interested in a beer. So how about I'll go first and then we'll let, I'll pass it over to Steven and we'll, Do it. And we'll tag team and be feel <laughs> free to, you know, comment on my choices. You bet. Um, so my number one choice has got to be, for me, it's Sierra Nevada Brewing's Pale Ale, because that's kind of what broke me into, you know, drinking craft beer. So this is a American Pale Ale. Uh, it's from Sierra Nevada Brewery. They're in, now, technically they're on both coasts now, but um, originally, you know, they're from California. And so I just remember, I think I told this, a little bit of the story on the last podcast, but just, I remember drinking this for the first time and just not liking it. Because when you first drink this beer, I think all you really taste is the bitterness. Um, but if you keep drinking it and after I had that, um, you know, uh, experience with the hop in the, uh, on the tour where I actually like smelled the hop oil and then kind of clicked for me, then I started to notice like, you're going to get the other, you know, flavor profiles that you'll start to notice like, oh, there's some citrus in here. Oh, there's some floral in here. Oh, there's some pine in here. And you're still going to taste a lot of that bitterness, but you do kind of get used to that bitterness over time. And then you just start to discover the other flavors that are kind of lurking, um, they're a little, a little bit less present um, than when you first start drinking it. So that's something I think you can get anywhere, and I would just recommend drinking that. And you know, you just gotta keep drinking it, <laughs> even for like beer in general. Like I didn't like beer at all in general, and um, but there's this weird thing about acquired tastes is definitely a real concept. And oh yeah, uh, yeah. You just start to appreciate the little nuances after you drink something or taste something. On multiple occasions, so yeah. that's I, my, I think, yeah. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Um, uh, I remember like when I was first getting into hoppy beers. Uh, one of the things I would look for is like the sweet spot for me was like thirty to fifty IBUs. Um, 
and that's just that's the bittering unit as a measurement of bitterness. Uh, and Sierra Nevada sits at like 38, so it's like it's one of the, it's like right in the sweet spot, I think, for people starting to learn how to deal with the bitter. Oh yeah, it's good that you mentioned that. Yeah, IBUs definitely something you can look at a beer and then see kind of how many IBUs it is. It's going to basically tell you how bitter it is. Another example from Sierra Nevada is I, they make something called Hoptimum, which is famously, I believe, over 100 IBU. So much, much, much more bitter than this. So if you are able to look up the IBU, it can kind of give you a good idea of what you're getting yourself into as far as bitterness goes. All right. Yeah. So that was my first pick. Stephen, what did you pick for your first uh, gateway beer? So I got to go to one of my old favorites, which is Firestone Walker 805. Nice. Yeah. So Firestone Walker, I mean, they do amazing things. Um, we've we've tried many amazing beers from them. Um, but this 805 is such a great gateway beer. In fact, when I used to, like, say I was a craft beer drinker, the, it was because I was drinking 805. Um, or if I wanted to look cool when I when I was the guy to bring beer to the softball game, like I would bring 805 because I thought I was uh, I was appealing to the masses, but at the same time showing my craft beer clout. So, <laughs> nice. um, of which I had none. But uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, so it's a blonde ale, uh, sometimes called a golden ale. Uh, super simple ale. I mean, this is like. They're they're not trying to hit you with hops. They're also not trying to hit you with a the malt background backbone. Like I mean, this is just like trying to get. This is very simple. Lots of times they use some honey in these beers, um, some, a little bit of spice, but it's just a very very simple. This is like one level up um, from your you know American lagers, which again this is why it's gateway beer like is more flavor than those beer than the American lagers, but it's nothing that's going to kill. I mean, this is an easy drinker. Um, so it's just super round, super smooth. Um, it's only 4.7%. So this is not getting you drunk. Uh, 15 IBUs um, in reference to the IBU scale. So this is like way below that threshold. So this is not hitting you in the bitterness. Um, it's just a great summertime beer if you want to graduate from the american lagers and drink something that's good yeah no that's awesome i love 805 yeah it, it, it's great it's it uh I, I would say like the number one taste for me there is, is honey a nice like honey sweetness um which is a nice like like bread yeast kind of backbone that doesn't get in the way just easy to drink Nice. And it's, it's one of those, and that's a perfect example of a beer that's still gonna, it's, it's one of those beers you'd still be happy drinking. I always say after a hard days of yard work, you know, like <laughs> yeah. you just mow the lawn, you're kind of sweaty and you come in, you don't want to drink uh, a spontaneous ale. <laughs> you want to drink 805. Yeah. Those spontaneous sours kind of burn the back of your throat. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Not good thirst quenchers. No. <laughs> All right, cool. 805, very good choice. All right, back. I'm going to throw it back to you. What do you got? Okay, next? okay. So my second one, and I remember I used to drink this a lot in my exploring beers at the co-op phase where uh, they had a lot of beers and you could, you know, you could pull singles, which is really cool. Um, you could do that at Total Wine, I think, by the way. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, you can. It's not like widely advertised, but like if you go anywhere, even like one of your local grocery stores, just go ask someone that works there, like, hey, can I just pull singles out of six packs? And a lot of times they will. They're going to charge you more. But if you, yeah. you're going to have a way more fun time if you're exploring beer, just pulling six random beers from six packs than committing to a whole six pack of something you know nothing about. So if you have access to a store that will let you do that, I highly recommend doing that. Just go pick six random beers that you think look cool to you and then go try them. Some of them you're not going to like, but you might find a gem and then you'll be ready to commit yourself to the six pack. So my second choice, I had a little bit of an amber beer phase. So I would go to the co-op and this is another thing I recommend is if you want to really explore a style and you do find a place that'll let you mix and match, 
pick all six beers from the same style. And then if you have a nice day when <laughs> you can imbibe a little, you might open two or three of them and you don't have to, obviously you don't have to drink the whole bottle, but um, find someone to share it with ideally. Um, and, but then try them side by side because oh. that's the only way to really start to elucidate like the differences between them is when you try something in comparison with another thing. Um, famously, Stephen organized this wonderful blind taste test for me because we were, we were trying to figure out which was the best watermelon goza. <laughs> Man, we are nerds. We were nerds. And I think we tried four or five. Yeah, I think it was four. We had okay. a field, field work. Blue Note, which is a just a local brewery, came out with a watermelon goza. Uh, oh, and then we had Green Zebra from Founders and Briny Melon from Anderson Valley. Now, so if you ask me before I do that blind taste test, I would tell you absolutely my favorite one was um, the fieldwork one. Absolutely. That was my favorite one. But when we did the blind taste test, it was Brighty Melody goes. <laughs> so, yeah. So like that is like where assumptions go to die is when you try things side by side. Well, because... and then like even the... Um... The uh, green zebra from Founders, like it tastes like apple juice compared to the other three. Yes, you know, like it was just like, oh, that's that. I don't get watermelon from that at all. But like, if you were drinking it by itself, I think you would. It's just, um, I, I love side by side tastings. I, I can't even stress that enough. It's just such a great way to find what flavors you like. Yeah, a hundred percent. So in my amber phase, this is one of the ones I would go to. It's Alaskan Brewing Company, which is in Alaska. <laughs> you guessed it. Um, and this is, <laughs> they're just, it's just called their amber. So this is still going to be, it's still approachable. I mean, you're, it's still going to be malty, but you're going to get a little bit of like caramel, maybe some sweet burnt sugar, maybe some bread, nutty, and some spice notes. Um, but I think you'll still be able to enjoy it, even if you are um, like new to ambers. And yeah, I think it's a great one to go. I actually don't know the IBU. I guess I could look that up. But um, yeah, it's probably yeah. minimal. Yeah, it's probably minimal. But yeah, I just really I remember really enjoying this one, and I think it's a great place to start. It's going to be they brew it year round. I'm sure you could probably find it. I'm they're probably nationally distributed. So yeah, Alaskan Amber is my second pick. That's going to be my second gateway beer. You know, another uh, side note on finding something that's widely distributed would be like a Sam Adams Oktoberfest. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, that's another, you know, getting into the more malty, roasted sweetness kind of beers. Yeah, really good. And yeah, Sam Adams, you're going to be able to find. And they make a bunch of really good beers. And then now that you mentioned Sam Adams, that makes me also think of Anchor Steam. So mm, I don't, yeah. I don't know if you, I definitely, if you're on the West coast, you're going to be able to get that. Um, so explore some of their range as well. Okay. So that was my second pick, Steven. Why did you pick second? Um, okay. So second is Lagunitas IPA. Very, very well known, very widely distributed. If you're on a uh, Southwest flight, you can get Lagunitas IPA. Well, I don't know if you can now with coronavirus. Oh, but you used to be able to, <laughs> in fact, I was, um, I have the Southwest credit card and they would send me these vouchers for drinks on a flight. Cause I, I never buy alcohol on a flight. Like, I'm just not one of those people that does that. Um, but I was like, well, I have this drink voucher. So <laughs> I tried to turn it in for a Lagunitas IPA. And, um, <laughs> I think the flight was at like nine in the morning <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I just remember the the flight attendant kind of looking at me like, really? You want to drink one of those <laughs> at 9 a.m.? Yeah. yeah. And I was like, well, I have a drink voucher. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, I got to use it. And uh, so she brought, she was like, okay. So she brought me the beer and I don't think she even took my voucher. <laughs> nice. I, was, I think she was like, we'll just give this alcoholic what he needs. Yeah, he needs, he needs his <laughs> fix. Because that's like 6% ABV, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean... It's just I don't think they were expecting anyone to ask for a beer on that flight. But at the same time, like airports are sort of notorious for like, you know, you just you kind of lose what time it is, you know. 
Yeah, it's like, like a casino. Like, <laughs> yeah, like the re- the restaurants at at airports always serving beer because who knows what time that person actually thinks it is. So it's five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> it is. That is true. But I yeah, I just love that reaction. Like, oh, oh, sure, okay. Uh, so that was like the one time I drank beer on a flight was the Lagunitas IPA. So that's my next beer. This is 51 IBUs. So this just fell. Actually, I think I think on the website it says 51 and a half. They're very, very, <laughs> <laughs> they're very, very specific with their IBUs. They didn't even round up. They just they want to make sure you know exactly where you are. But it's a great reference. So like I said, my sweet spot is about 30 to 50 when I was first transitioning into liking um, hoppier beers. And so this is just it's just a little tiptoe outside of that. Um, so it's it's a really approachable IPA. They, um, it's yeah, six point two percent. So it's not blowing you blowing you away um, with the alcohol. I think they use forty something different hops in this beer. Do they really? I didn't know that. Yeah, and a ton of different malts. I mean, it is like it is a weird beer. Um, they are not like they're just trying to. It's like the um, uh, the kitchen sink IPA. They're just like here's a bunch of malts, here's a bunch of hops, like there's you cannot figure out what you're tasting here. It's just this is just an IPA. Like this is just a hoppy beer. Like there's no parsing out. Like oh, <laughs> these this is the flavor profile of this hop. You know. Um, one of the th- things I love now are smash IPAs, which are single malt, single hop IPAs, which are really great ways to showcase um, the profiles of different malts and hops without anything else. You know, like it's like the the uh, the uh, again, I think an, an experiment. You know, the control. It's like the control of an experiment um, where you don't have any other variables. Um, but like this one is, this is the. <laughs> Yeah, this is the shotgun is, approach. Yeah. It's yeah. like I wonder if when they uh, I I be I would love to hear the origin story of this IPA because I have a feeling it's like, oh, uh, we bought we bought everything that was available. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I want to know like, do they have a hop schedule while they're brewing this? Like this hop, now this hop. Okay, five minutes later, you add this hop. Like, who developed that hop schedule? Forty three <laughs> hops. I don't know. Anyway. So, like I said, it's just a super easy, approachable IPA into the IPA world because that is a world, you know. Like it, I think it's sometimes it's hard to crack into. Um, do you feel that way? Yes, it's so. A lot of people uh, I talk to just don't. They don't like IPAs at all. So yeah, and it's funny because it's such a giant universe, like. Oh it's its God. own independent universe inside the craft beer universe. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, like like I said, the hazy IPAs um, have been a nice gateway into that because it takes away the bitterness. Um, and it's a good intro to the, to the, well, to the hops. I don't know if it's a great intro to the style um, because there's this whole world of like, west coast ipas that i think honestly gets overlooked by a lot of people which is fine but um you know it's just a huge part of the ipa world that uh some people i think just never get into especially yeah i don't know if that and i can't speak obviously for i can only speak from my own experience but it does seem like these hazy and milk popular right now and Maybe these uh, West Coast IPAs aren't as popular currently. But when I first got into IPAs, there you know there were no hazies, there were no milkshakes. So these are kind of the styles I associate with IPA. Um, and you know, Lagunitas IPA is like one of my favorites. And it's yeah, like it's definitely a go-to. Like if I go, like almost every restaurant will have something. We'll have like out here on the West Coast. Usually they'll have Lagunitas IPA, even if they don't carry a lot of craft brew. So that's always going to be like my go-to choice if that's what they have available. So an excellent pick. Yep. But... Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. <laughs> You're so smart. <laughs> no, I don't know about all that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm chugging beer, so now I'm just getting silly. 
No, no, it's all good. Half the fun of the podcast is we get to drink beer together. <laughs> okay, is it? It's. Uh, oh, it's your turn. Okay, I'll do my third one. See, I, I've already lost track of whose turn. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my third one is a porter, an American porter. So this is Black Butte Porter from Deschutes Brewery. So this is a great one to pick. Also, it's brewed year-round. It's out of Oregon. Or Deschutes is out of Oregon. I even and... like this one, by the way. Oh, okay. See, Gateway. It is a Gateway. If Steven <laughs> likes this porter, then you're going to like this porter. <laughs> Steven doesn't like any porters. No, that's not true. Um, but yeah, it's uh, 5.2% ABV. You can probably find it at your grocery store. Um, and this is really going to introduce you to the style. Like, obviously, you're still going to have the malts, um, but you're going to start to get like dark fruits, coffee, chocolate, a little bit of bitterness. Um, those are kind of the flavor profiles you'll get in your porters. And it's just going to introduce you to them here. Um, and I just, a lot of people like this beer. Uh, it's accessible. I would definitely recommend it. And yeah, I still really enjoy it, um, even though, like, I always joke with Steven that now, basically, so when you first enter, and this is true of almost any hobby, I'm actually jealous. If someone's listening to this episode and they're like, oh, man, I'm going to try these gateway beers, I'm so jealous. Really enjoy your journey because really, the I always tell Steven, the only thing that makes me excited now is barrel-aged unicorn blood. <laughs> so I'm a, I've reached like the end game of liking some of this stuff. And obviously, no, I still like all this stuff. But I just remember when I was first getting into beer and craft beer and I was going on those Costco trips and making those, you know, pick sixes. It was just everything was new and everything was exciting. Um so yeah, definitely an excellent recommendation. And you'll still like it even when you graduate to barrel aged unicorn blood. But yeah, that's so that's gonna be my pick for uh an entry level into uh this kind of style. I like that. Yeah, no, I, I love this beer. Um I actually don't um <laughs> this is the level I'm at. It's it's so horrible. I'm such a snob. Uh I will not I will rarely drink a beer out of a can or a bottle. I like to I like to pour it into a glass. Oh, don't get me started on that. <laughs> my my wife drinks well, are you, a can. Are you on my side? Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. You have to pour it into a glass, and I like some of the breweries. Even I think it's Russian River. They like put on the side of their beer. They like show an icon of the can with like a cross <laughs> through it, and then they show like a nice tasting glass, and it's like, oh, hey, dummy, pour this into a glass because and yeah. it's. It is sounds really snobby, but a couple things happen. One, okay, this is gonna sound snobby. You can you get to appreciate the color and like Oh my uh, gosh. Because beer is cool, <laughs> like they come in all these cool different colors. And then yeah. heads have different like viscosities and they have different like sizes of the bubbles, but but beyond all that, because that is kind of like you don't really need to appreciate the color of the beer. I don't think you do. But the you, lacing. Lacing. You don't have to appreciate <laughs> You don't have to appreciate that. But what will happen when you pour it in a glass is you'll be able to actually smell it because you're not going to be able to smell it out of a can. And yeah. so much of the experience of taste is smell. They overlap a lot. So you're going to want to pour it out into something that you can get your nose into. And um, and it's funny, too, because sometimes things smell amazing and you get so excited and then you taste it and you're so disappointed. <laughs> and then vice versa, sometimes like, you're not getting anything in the nose and then you taste something and it's like, oh, wow, this is so amazing. Yeah. But yeah, definitely you got to pour it into something to smell it. Okay. Yeah. So uh, my point, I guess my original point from that was that Blackbeard Porter is one of the few that like I kind of like just drinking out of the bottle like while I'm shooting pool or something. Like, I don't know. It's just a, I don't know. It's just a beer that I don't mind doing that with. And maybe it's just because it's simple. Um version of that style and it's just uh it's just approachable um so it's something i don't mind drinking out of a bottle i don't know why i like i don't even know why that's relevant but um no actually that's fair i could definitely see that because i would drink like i would drink 805 out of the bottle any day yeah and that's yeah exactly the same thing it's not like and the, and and for the reason that like it's not that complicated of a style right so like, does it necessarily need to be poured into a glass so that you can smell it and get all the net? Like, no, not really. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it's just, it's not designed for that. So it's just a nice, like, back porch drink out of the bottle beer kind of thing. So. Yeah, totally. And I mean, enjoy beer how you want to enjoy it. If you want to drink, 
something out of a bottle because you like drinking out of the bottle, then do it. Don't listen to us. But <laughs> yeah, and, I, and a lot, uh, the Alaska Amber, same way. Yeah. Um, and even Sierra Nevada. Like, I don't know if I've ever poured that one out. You know, that's always out of a bottle, too. Um, so maybe maybe you, our advice leans more towards the sours, IPAs, more complicated beers, uh, the Imperial Stouts, kind of stuff that you want to really appreciate both the visual, the smell, and the taste. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's like something you could try doing. Maybe even try it when you try a syrup. Maybe you try it side by side. Maybe drink a pale ale. I don't think you've ever, I've never done this. We should try this. Drink a pale ale out of a can, pour half of it into a glass, and then drink them side by side and see if you get a little bit of a different experience when you get that, um, you get that like aroma. You get the nose right there before you take the sip. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, so that's my third pick. What did you pick for number three? Okay, this I left the <laughs> I left the best for last because uh, <laughs> I love this beer. It's called Sequench Ale uh, by Dogfish Head. Um, do you know what? Where they're from? Like Delaware or something? Oh, let me look it up. Yeah, for some reason I, I didn't think um, I thought they were California based, but they're they're not. I think it's Delaware. Um, so anyway. One of the our jokes about Dogfish Head is that they always like whatever style they brew, they brew with like the weirdest ingredients. Yes, they like have, they, okay, they have they to always do something find the weirdest weird. version. Yeah. <laughs> so so anyway, Sequent Jail. Um, this is my gateway sour pick um, because I know first of all, sours are very very divisive. First off, in my household. my wife wife hates them and any anytime i i bring up craft beer like at work and talk to people i mean sours are just like yeah i don't like that you know and sometimes it's like well what have you had you know like what have you tried so anyway sequench i think is a great gateway sour it's 4.9 percent low abv which i always like about I, i like um, low ABV wheat sours, uh, German sours. I just like they're easy to drink and they're not going to make me drunk. Uh, it's almost like drinking a soda kind of, you know, like I'm literally not going to get drunk off drinking them and it's just kind of sweet and, uh, easy to drink. So anyway, sequin ale, it's a, they call it a session sour, <laughs> which I don't know. Like what does session they, mean by the way? Well, it's, so session means that it's a lower ABV style, uh, lower ABV than usual for that style. So like a session IPA, say, would be more around like 5%. And the whole, like the word is derived from, you know, you can drink more of that beer in one session, right? Because the ABV is lower. And I don't, honestly, I wish, <laughs> I wish I knew more about brewing because I've only tried to home brew a few times and with varying degrees of success. Um, <laughs> Disastrous results. <laughs> no, varying degrees of success. Okay, it's a wide scale, a wide range. Uh, but um, but yes, uh, but but my home my homebrew knowledge is not that extensive. Um, but uh, so I don't know exactly if they how you like adjust the grain bill or whatever for um, to lower the ABV the end ABV I don't know but anyway that's what they do uh they do it for the the most common you'll see is a session IPA just because IPAs tend to be higher ABV and they um they lower it so that you can kind of enjoy the beer uh and I've I've actually come to really enjoy that style probably because I'm just old and I can't handle alcohol um so I like session IPAs um but anyway, so they call this a session sour. It's at 4.9. I don't think it was going to be much higher than that anyway. But uh, this is a combination of three different beers. So they brew a Kolsch, which is like a German wheat ale. Very, like, I think even, I want to say they're a lager. Um, and we can go in on a different episode into like differences between lagers and ales, but um, I think it's like right in the middle between a lager and an ale. It's a very simple style. Um, so they 
brewed a Kolsch, then they brewed a Goza, which is a salty, um, sour, kind of a tart, salty, uh, wheat ale. Uh, and then they also brewed a Berliner Weiss, which is another German sour, um, tends to be kind of sort of lemony and tart. Uh, and they brewed, I think they brewed the Goza and the Berliner Weiss with black limes. That's our, that's our weird, um, <laughs> our yeah, weird ingredient of the day. They couldn't use regular limes. No, use... they can use like key limes or regular, <laughs> no, black limes, which I don't even know. Is that a thing? Is that a real thing? Anyway. I'm sure it is. Black limes, sea salt, and coriander. So the salt and the coriander are key ingredients to gozas. That the like your most basic goza, like your old school goza brewed in the middle of Germany in the I don't know 16th century or whatever, uh, was brewed with sea salt or not sea salt, just salt, some sort of salt and um, coriander. That's another probably weird addition by Dogfish Head. They said it had, it's got to be like Himalayan sea salt. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yes. Otherwise, it's just not right. Um, so anyway, black lime, sea salt, coriander. And um, they mixed those, they blended those three beers together. I don't know if it was a one-to-one-to-one ratio, but somehow they blended those three beers together and came out with sequench ale. They're doing crazy things over at Dogfish Head. Uh but yeah, no, I mean, it's just a really approachable, it's a great little tart ale. Like, like it's not so sour that you, like, it's hard to drink. Um, because I'm telling you, like, when you love sour beer, like, you want it to be sour. I mean, me and you, we like the unicorn blood sours, too. Not just the stouts. Yeah, like, yeah in the like, beginning, everything, you... you it's the it's the acquired taste. So you get the, the little bit of sour, and at first you might be like, ooh, I'm not sure if I like this. And then smash cut to you in like two years of drinking sours, and you're like, if it doesn't make my whole face scrunch <laughs> up, and I get like a shudder down my entire spine, I'm not interested, okay? <laughs> yeah. And, um, uh, oh, I had something else. There's something else to say about sours but oh oh so it's kind of a different so we we talked a little bit we touched on the wild sour um which would be like you know open fermentation whatever's in the air the bacteria in the yeast um but this beer is is brewed with a, a technique called kettle souring so essentially they um you know they, they put bacteria into the unfermented beer the bacteria eat some of the sugar. They create lactic acid, which makes it sour. And then they move on to the boiling phase of the brew, um, which kills all the bacteria. So now whatever level of sour you reached prior to your boil, that's how sour it's going to be. You kill off the bacteria with the boil. Then you add whatever uh, whatever you're going to do after that. Um, uh, but but you you sour it prior to your your boil so that's that's kind of a newer uh technique that everybody's using now um well you have a lot more control like right when you do it that way yeah yeah and i mean there's also other ways of just like you can just literally pour in lactic acid into the beer um you just get like food grade lactic acid um and then like sometimes you can get like attenuated malts or something where some of the or like soured malts anyway did you just have the, <coughs> the, the titular line did you say yeah atten- did you say attenu- attenuated malts. Yeah. <laughs> just in case anyone who's like because i have like told a few people about this podcast and they were like wait what's it called <laughs> so we apologize we love the word attenuation uh it's it's a brewing word it's also a um sort of a like a um, radio signal word so we just thought it like encapsulated everything we were doing um it's kind of it's a it's a transition word um you know it's it's sugars turning into uh, alcohol which i thought just sort of encapsulated our our beer journeys you know we're constantly changing our tastes are changing uh so anyway i thought it was a good word i'm sorry if it's a confusing name for a podcast (laughs) (coughs) original gravity was already taken which i thought sounded pretty cool yeah yeah we're we're, i guess we're late to the beer podcast game so we take the names we can get (laughs) 
sorry. But yeah, I know. No, it's okay. We we've. I'm sure I'm gone off on three different tangents at least during this uh, final beer. But yeah, Sequench Ale, great sour, uh, gateway sour uh, for those who just want to try something and and that you can probably find in uh, most grocery stores. If you want to go to Specs, if you are a uh, Texan and you want to go to <laughs> and you want to go to Specs, I'm sure they have it at Specs. I don't know what Specs is, Stephen. It's our like Bevmo. Oh, okay. Yeah, sounds, sounds like a cool Texas thing. I wouldn't understand being from California. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's okay. We're free here. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's a great third pick. I like um, Duckfish Head. They do a lot of stuff, and they do a lot of weird stuff. <laughs> they like to be weird. Yeah, their 60-minute, 120-minute IPAs are great, you know, intro to West Coast IPA style. So yeah. they, do, they do good stuff. Nice. Very good. Well, we, those are our six gateway beers. We, we, have hope, to... we hope they're helpful. Yeah, we hope they're helpful. We're gonna set we gotta set up an email. So if you have any suggestions, we'd love to hear from you guys. We're working on our audio. Hopefully the audio was better this time. Um, I don't know now live, but I'll know in about in twenty <laughs> minutes when I listen to this. Um, but yeah, audio. Obviously, we're gonna try to improve that, and hopefully, just things get a little bit better. But bear with us for these first couple episodes. We're just kind of working out the bugs. So, what do you yeah, say? But- it, is that a wrap on episode two? I guess that's a wrap. Man, we're, <laughs> we're like almost too good at this. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till like episode 12. It's going to be phenomenal. Yeah. Production. Value. Yeah. Listeners hang in there with us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also, just thank you. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you hanging out with us. Yeah, for sure. So thank you so much for listening to the second episode of Attenuation, a beer podcast. My name is Jason. And I'm Steven. And this is us signing off until next time. All right. Cheers, man. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Attenuation, a beer podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and we'll catch you next week. Cheers. Cheers.